Welcome to episode number 17 of Strengthening the Brethren podcast. I'm your host, Michael Larson. Today I'm sharing a sermon by Dr. David Gibbs, Jr. Dr. Gibbs, Jr. is an attorney and founder of Christian Law Association. Since 1969, CLA has been providing free legal assistance to Bible-believing churches and Christians who are experiencing difficulty in practicing their religious faith because of governmental regulation, intrusion, or prohibition in one form or another. In the show notes is a link to the CLA website where you can find the resources Dr. Gibbs Jr. mentions at the end of this broadcast, along with many others. This message is entitled, God Can Do the Impossible. Enjoy. If that music did not stir you tonight, you are one sick puppy. That's all I can tell you. Wow. Listening to those youngsters sing. Well, I promise you, the angels were doing backflips in heaven over that. That just absolutely stirred my heart. Now, the young ladies in your choir up there are so incredibly beautiful. And the young men, well, those girls are really pretty. They really are. No, those young men are just startlingly handsome. Listening to them sing with that passion. Wow. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. Brother Falor, thank you for the privilege of allowing us to come and be here. Now, I pray we've been a blessing to you, but I promise you, you've been a greater blessing to us. The ministry, the spirit in this church. And please don't ever take what you have here for granted. If you think this is of your making, God will give you back to you. And you'll want God back in a heartbeat. And by the way, I love sitting by your preacher up here. Uh, He is just, is dynamic. I just love this man. He puts wind in my sails. Don't you take your pastor and his wife for granted. Man, you've got a choice, choice servant of God. Turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Mark, the book of Mark chapter 11. The book of Mark chapter 11. We're about to read a passage of scripture that were it not in the Bible, you would never be able to accept it or believe it. But it is in the Bible. And yet most of the Christians that love the Lord, who are fervent for God, are not doing it. They're not obeying it. We have gotten comfortable, especially in America with all of our prosperity and all of our blessings, we've gotten comfortable not doing this. You say, Brother Gibbs, what what are you talking about? When is the last time you asked God to use you to do the impossible? Now, not something challenging, Not something great, not something awesome, impossible. Ridiculously, ludicrously impossible. Uh, Can I challenge you? Don't waste your life trying to do something great for God. You say, what? Don't waste your life trying to do something great for God. Unsaved people do great things every single day. Pick up any business journal. Look at what they're doing. And they make no pretense of having God in it. You have the almighty God that said, I'm going to enable you to do not just something great. I'm going to enable you to do the impossible. Wow. Now, God says, 
At some point, you're going to need the impossible. I was in the Pacific Rim, and we were at a meeting of, of believers there. And it was a meeting that touched my heart because the people there were unbelievably impoverished. Now, we were the only people in this meeting, several thousand people there. We were the only people there with shoes. They weren't against shoes. They didn't have money for shoes. They were dressed in what we would call rags. And here are these believers. And three mothers came up to me. And they said, it must be really hard for you to pray in America. I said, why would you say such a thing? And the one mother said, well, you have everything or you think you do. And I said, what do you mean by that? She said, well, Brother Gibbs, do you understand if we don't pray, we don't eat. Now, can you imagine how you'd pray tonight if your kids were hungry and you had no food? You'd have a whole different prayer life. She said, if we don't pray, our kids die. There are no doctors. There's no medicine. Whoa. Well, we just run down to the local clinic. There isn't one. She said, if we don't pray, marauders come in and take everything and even steal our kids. Must be hard for you to pray because you think you have everything. If you could do something impossible for God, what would it be? And I promise you at some point in your life, you're going to need God to do the impossible. Well, God says, I want to tell you how you, and he puts your name in the Bible. He said, I want to tell you how you can do the impossible. Let's get ready to read it. Mark chapter 11, starting at verse 22. And by the way, before I read this, Jesus up until now in the scriptures has done all the praying. The disciples and his followers have just been listening to him. Boy, that would have been something. But now he's about to tell his disciples and his followers how they should pray. And when he does this, he doesn't start with easy things. He starts with impossible things. He, I, I would have thought he kind of nursed them into it, preacher. But he didn't nurse them into it. He said, I want to show you how to do the impossible. Let's see what he says. Verse 22, and Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. Now I have that underlined and highlighted in my Bible. That's a critical thing. You see, the devil wants you to put faith in you. Well, I can do this. I can handle this. Uh, God, I can handle about 90%, 95%. If you just help me with the 5 or 10% that are a challenge for me, I got a lot of confidence in me. You're never going to do the impossible. You're all wrapped up with your faith in you. Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever, now circle the word whosoever. Boy, that's an important word in that verse. That's your name. That's your name. You know, when the Bible, when it says whosoever will may come, same word. Wow. Somebody says, well, yeah, our preacher, he could do the impossible. 
And maybe some giant here of the faith could do the impossible, but not me. No, no, no. God says, you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have. Not maybe. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Mercy, what a statement straight from the lips of Jesus. Now, when he says move mountains, please don't get this, he's not talking about rearranging the topography. He's not like saying in the panhandle here, it's kind of flat, so let's bring some of the Rockies down here. We'll just rearrange the topography of the nation. No, 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 no. This was a frame of speech that they used that we still use to this day. Have you ever heard somebody say, I got a mountain of debt right now? He don't have a mountain. It was a phrase for something that's impossible. I got a mountain of health trouble. I got relationships that are falling apart. I got a mountain of concern. And No, no, no. When he says move mountains, that's talking about what's impossible. Whosoever shall stand this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, please note what he says there. Nobody can do this for you. Your preacher would if he could. You got to do it. What have you asked for that's impossible? What's on your impossible prayer list? Not a challenging list, not a difficult list, an impossible list. Look at the next verse. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, wow, when ye pray, believe that ye shall receive them and ye shall have them. What are you asking for? How many of you know the name Lester Roloff, great man of yesteryear? I was doing, I've done 14 jury trials for that man. We were in the middle of a trial, I went down to his motel room, and he had papers spread over both beds, a table, a chair, a desk. And they, there were papers everywhere. And I said, are these papers for the trial? He said, no, no, no. I, I said, what are these papers for? He said, this is my impossible prayer list. I said, this is your impossible prayer list? I said, there's hundreds of pages here. He said, David, I'm asking God for a lot. How did you get comfortable asking for next to nothing. How did you get comfortable not asking? Now James says it clear, you have not because you what? Ask not. And if you could ask for the impossible, what would it be? All you got to do is ask in faith. And God says, I'll answer it. Yeah, but Brother Gibbs, what if I ask and God doesn't do it? Now, there's only three times he'll not respond to your ask. Number one is if you don't do it, you don't ask. Well, I, I just think God knows. He does know what you need. But he says... I write the terms on which we operate, and you have to ask. 
When we get to heaven, I just know the Lord is going to absolutely scold me blue. He's going to say, David, you asked for so pitiful little. Why didn't you ask? You sat there and worked and were diligent and ran, and, but why didn't you ask for the impossible? Mom, are you teaching the kids to ask for the impossible? What's on your prayer list for impossible? And by the way, you're not limited to one. It doesn't say you get one shot at this, so pick carefully. It's unlimited. But you have to ask. And so it's not going to happen if you don't ask. But number two, he said you ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it on your own lust. If you start asking selfish, and boy, are we good at that in America. Oh, God, I just want a bigger house. I, I want a third car. Uh, the rest of the world can't figure out how to get a bicycle, and we can't live without two cars. God, I just want more, 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 more. Make, make me a gajillionaire. In fact, make me a billionaire gajillionaire. And God says, we're not going to play that game. I know what's in your heart. Boy, when you get ready to ask, you better ask God to get the selfishness out. You haven't received, not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it on your own lust. That's what James said. But there's a third time he won't honor it. And that is if you're asking outside his will. Our God loves you too much to give you anything outside his will. That's why Jesus said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But it starts with you asking. Now listen to these verses because it just comes again and again all the way through scripture over and over again. And mark these scriptures down if you would please. Matthew 19, 26. With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Wow. Mark 9, 23. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Mark chapter 10, verse 29, with men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Luke 18, 27, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Genesis 18, verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Mercy. Seven times Jesus said, ask and ye shall receive. Do you really believe that he meant that? And if all of a sudden you had to have God just to survive, and boy, I pray that doesn't come, but that should strike fear in nobody because he said, ask and we'll move mountains together. A young evangelist called my dad. He had come to town where we lived and he called my dad on the phone, and this is in the early 50s, probably 50, 51. And he said, I understand you have semi-trucks. My dad said, I do. He said, well, I have a tent, and I need some trucks to help pull my tent up. He said, my trucks are so shot, they're so decrepit, they're so impossibly worn out that I don't have the power to pull my tent up, and I got to get this tent up so that I can preach under the tent. And he said, would it be possible for you to come and help me get my tent up? 
My dad said, sure, I'll be glad to help you with that. Well, I was just a kid. And any time I could hop in one of those semis and take a ride, I enjoyed doing it. Well, I hopped in a truck with my dad, and I think there were probably eight or ten other trucks and drivers my dad had there. And we went and met this young evangelist. He was, I don't know, maybe 19, 18. And he had his tent spread out all over the ground. And my dad got out and walked around and took a look at his tent. And my dad came back to him. He said, young man, I don't know how to tell you this. Your tent is shot. He said, I've never seen anything like this. He said, you got more patched than tent. <laughs> and whoever patched it did a terrible job. This tent isn't going anywhere. It's shot. He said, you're right, Mr. Gibbs. My dad said, we hook our trucks up to this. We'll shred this in a million pieces. He said, no, 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 you're right, you're right. But he said, here's what I want you to do. Hook your trucks up, but don't pull. Don't pull. He said, I got to have this tent to get the gospel. My dad said, well, what good's it going to do to hook our trucks up? He said, I'm going to go over here and get on my face and ask God to move a mountain. I'd never heard anybody say that before. I turned to my dad and said, what's he talking about, move a mountain? He said, son, he's going to ask God to do the impossible. Now he said, don't pull. Well, my dad hooked those trucks up. And the drivers came by my dad and said, this tent ain't going nowhere. My dad said, he's over there praying for the impossible right now. When's the last time you put your faith on point? Where you spoke up what the Bible says? He walked a distance about from here to that wall and started crying out to God. He said, God, my tent is shot. And these trucks will destroy it. But you're the God of the impossible. And right now, I'm in faith believing and I'm asking specifically for you to move this mountain. And he's praying loud enough for all of us to hear it. Ooh. After about 15 minutes, he came back. He said, okay, pull. My dad said, son, I'll do it, but I don't want you mad when I wreck your tent. He looked at my dad and he said, my God's going to do the impossible. Do you have that, God? Or is the truth, you just want to play the game safe? I don't ever want to put me out there where they'd say that nut thinks that somehow God's going to use him to do a miracle. You didn't read the verse, whosoever shall say. Whew. Those trucks started pulling, and an amazing thing happened. That tent started coming up, and it started humming, and, and it was vibrating in the wind. And, there was a humming noise that was overwhelming, and the tent went up. And he got the tent up, and he said, okay, stake it off, stake it, stake it. And immediately, my dad's drivers ran to him and said, how do you do that? That's not possible. How did he do that? When is the last time you prayed for something and people said, how did you do that? You see, you can't explain the impossible.
but we're almost afraid to venture out and to say something. My dad said, son, I'll give it to you. Your God did the impossible. He said, that's amazing. My dad said, I can't tell you how much I admire your prayer. The fact you were to go public and say that to us. You know what the devil says? Don't make a fool of yourself. Don't you do something where people are going to say that nut, that crazy woman. Wow. This is God calling us to do it. Hmm. My dad says, boy, I'll tell you, God did it. But he said, son, I, I don't think we ought to tempt God too much further. He said, I, I think what we ought to do is raise some money and get you a new tent. And he said, no, I don't need a new tent. I only need this tent for two more weeks because God's called me to start a church in this town. And I've already rented an old dilapidated movie theater that holds 60 people. And I'm going to put a church here, but I need this tent for two more weeks. My dad said, wow, good, we need churches. But he said, Mr. Gibbs, there is something you could pray with me about. My dad said, what's that? He said, I've asked God to let me put the Romans Road on television. Now, you got to understand, television was in its super infancy. Television would come on in the afternoon and go off about 8 o'clock at night. And the picture was full of white snow. How many of you remember the white snow TV pictures, right? And how many of you remember then we'd have the kids hold the rabbit ears and get nuked? Wow. He said, I want to put the Romans Road on television. Now, there was no religious broadcasting on television. Zero. There wasn't hardly anything on television. But he said, I want to put the Romans road and give people the gospel on television. My dad said, wow. He said, son, you got some experience at this? This is a kid standing He said, no. He said, you have any training in television? He said, no. He said, you have any credentials or degrees? He said, no. He said, I never got to finish high school, Mr. Gibbs. He said, my junior year of high school, my dad died. And I had to go to work to feed my three sisters and my mother. So I never got to finish school. My dad says, you got any money? He said, no, if I had money, I'd have a new tent. <laughs> my dad said, let me get this right. You got no experience. You got no credentials. You got no money. What makes you think you are going to put the gospel on television? He said, because I asked. Do you have any idea how powerful your ask is? He looked at my dad and he said, God could get so much better than me, but I asked. On the way home in the truck, I said, you think he's going to put the Romans Road on television, Dad? Man, I'd like to see that. My dad said, son, I don't know, but I'll tell you this. That tent was going nowhere 
and God moved a mountain. And the man that did that is asking God to put the Romans road on television. Mercy. What, what would you do impossible? Well, he did his tent for two weeks. We went down and saw a couple services. And then he moved into that movie theater, old decrepit, worn out place. Rat infested. In fact, it's the only church I ever saw that had a sign out front. It's the craziest sign I ever saw. It said, we have rats and we're fighting them, but please keep your feet on the seat in front of you so if something furry runs by, you don't jump. I thought, what a welcoming sign that is. And this is the guy that wants to be on television. Well, the first Saturday that he was in that building, he went up to the TV station Got the manager and he said, I want you to put me on TV. I have no money, but I need 10 minutes to give the Romans road. And that manager said, you have no money. Why would I put you on for free when I got people standing in line with money and I don't have any time to be able to sell them? Why would I give it to you for free? He said, because I asked. He said, you asked who? He said, I asked God. He mocked him. He said, you're crazy. He said, your God isn't putting you on this station. Now get out of here. And threw him off the property. Next Saturday, he went back. He said, I still don't have money, but I need 10 minutes. And he said, son, you're a slow learner. You are never getting on this station. And he cussed him out and threw him off the property. Third week, he went back. Now he got ugly. He said, you show up again, I'm going to have you arrested for trespass. You're barred from ever coming around here again. I don't care who you're talking to, you're not getting on this. And threw him off the property again. But this time as he was walking off the property, a secretary sitting there at a desk said, can I ask you a question? She said, this Roman's road. Does it tell somebody how to go to heaven when they die? He said, that's exactly what it does. She said, well, my sister is dying and only has a few days to live. Would you come give the Romans road to my sister? He said, I'd be honored to. She said, get in your car and follow me. He started following this secretary and he thought the sister lived in the area. The sister lived 200 miles away. So he's following her for 200 miles. And now he's running out of fuel and he's blinking his lights. There's no cell phones. And he said, look, I'm sorry. I, I don't have money and I'm out of fuel. She said, I got to get you to my sister. I'll fuel you up. Come, come. Got to the sister. Within a half an hour, he led that sister to Christ with the Romans road. As they walked out of the house from the sister, that secretary said, is that what you want to put on TV, what you did with my sister? He said, that's exactly right. She said, well, come next Saturday, you're going to put it on TV. Amen. He said, that's really sweet, but that station manager, he hates me. She said, I know, that's my husband. But here's what you don't know. 
he doesn't own the station, I do. He works for me. He just likes to act like he owns it. You come next Saturday and do exactly what you did with my sister. She said, now your suit is shot. It's got holes in it, young man. Here's some money to get a new suit. And don't you change anything. Do exactly what you did with my sister. That sister only lived a few more days. The next Saturday he showed up, gave the Romans road for 12 minutes. And he said, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to call this number. And 450 people dialed the number. The next week, over 600 did it. She said, I have two other stations I own. Now you're on three. And she said, I know everybody that has a station. And within a year, he was on 800 stations. Within five years, he was on 2,600 stations. And people would come to him and say, how'd you do this? He said, I asked. God could have got somebody with degrees. God could have got somebody with talent, somebody with money, but they didn't ask. I asked. Your ask is powerful beyond anything you can imagine. But the devil's going to try to say, not you. No, 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 not you. And God's sitting here saying, did you not read it? Sand of this mountain and ask in faith, believing and ye shall receive. Wow. I told you this morning about my mother getting polio, being in the hospital for two and a half years in an iron lung. Music was my mom's life, and music was wiped out overnight. As I listen to that beautiful piano work tonight, listen to these beautiful singers, what she thought was how she was going to serve God her whole life. And she loves serving God. But now she can't do anything. She's strapped in a wheelchair. She can't feed herself. When my mom came home from the hospital, we'd not had family devotions for several years because mom was in the hospital. And my dad held devotions, and he read the word, and then we prayed and he asked my mom, what do you want us to pray for? And I'll never forget, my mom said, I know I'm very damaged goods. Who'd want me? But I'm asking God to give me some way to serve him. And then she said this, I still have breath. If you have breath, God's got something for you to do. Bodies wear out. But breath is his tool. I thought, boy, that's a sweet sound, but, well, a new pastor in our community starting a church stopped at our house, and he said, I just wanted to pray with you. I've heard you've had a rough road. I thought, we have. And he said, is there anything I can pray for you, Mrs. Gibbs? And my mom said, yes. She said, I don't know what God could do with me, but I can't dress myself. I can't feed myself, but I got breath. Would you pray, God, and give me something to do? I don't care what it is. Anything. Don't you leave this life without using that breath. Finally, 
that man said, I got an idea. He said, we haven't started our church yet, so we don't have services and that. We don't have a Sunday school. But in about four weeks, we're going to start services, and we're going to have a Sunday school. Strapped in that wheelchair, you think you could do Sunday school? My mom said, I'd love to. She said, please let me try. He said, okay, it's yours. When he left, my mom said, David, God's moving mountains. God's moving mountains. When they had the first Sunday, there we are, me and my sister, we're the Sunday school. And I thought, boy, this is grim. I'm going to go to church the rest of my life with my sister, <laughs> who today is a great lady. But my mom, strapped in that wheelchair, gave a Sunday school lesson like there were a thousand kids there. After a couple of weeks, she said, we got to do something to get more kids. And she said, I have an idea. Your granddad, when these trucks were all open air, he would put canvas tops on them every Saturday night. And they'd go out on Sunday and pick kids up and take them to Sunday school. And they called them the truck kids. There's a big bus company uptown. She said, let's go up there and ask them to give us a bus. I said, Mom, that's a sweet thought. But we have no money. You see, when my mom got polio, there was no hospitalization. My mom's hospital bills were three and a half million dollars. And my dad gave his word that he'd pay every penny of it, and he did. Took him his whole life to pay it off. He paid it and interest. He said, if you take care of my bride, I give you my word. I will pay it off. And he did. She said, well, God will just have to make them understand. She said, I want you to take me up there and let's get a bus. She said, our God is in the mountain moving business, David. By the way, that's your God. I took my mom up to this big bus company in town, hundreds of buses everywhere. Parked her car up next to the building there. And when I went to get my mom out of the car, we had an accident. Accidentally, my mom fell through my arms. When someone can't embrace you back, it's hard to hang on to them. And I'd never hurt my mom, never. But she slid through my arms and she went crashing down on the ice and snow. And when she hit, then I fell on top of her and she screamed in pain. And I can still hear her voice. She said, don't move me, don't move me, I'll pass out. She said, don't let me pass out, David. I gotta get this bus. I said, Mom, let's go home. She said, no, I've asked. Just wait me lay here. After about 15 or 20 minutes, she said, get your hanky out. She said, I can't dry my tears. She didn't have the ability to wipe her own tears. She said, I don't want them to know I was crying. Wipe my tears for me, son. And let's go get that bus. 
all the way in, all I could think of, brother, is, oh, God, she's going to be so disappointed. Walked in, and there's a lovely young lady sitting there at the reception desk. And my mom said, uh, we don't have any money, and we need a bus so we can get kids to Sunday school. And she said, you mean you don't have any money? My mom said, no, we don't. She said, well, I've never seen them do that here before, but there's a first for everything. She said, let me call the vice president. She called the guy on the phone and said, there's a lady down here who wants you to give her. She has no money. She needs a bus to get kids to Jesus. That's what she says. And he said, we're not going to give her a bus. Tell her to leave. That little girl said, you come tell her. She's in a wheelchair. Get down here. <laughs> that guy came down nice enough, but very abrupt. He said, lady, I've worked here 30-some years. We've never given a bus away to free for anybody. We're not going to start with you. Sorry. My mom said, well, that's kind. Thank you for coming down. But she said, I want to ask you, do you own the buses? He said, no, the owner owns the buses, the president. She said, well, you can't give them to me. They're not yours. I've got to talk to the guy who owns them. And he said, the owner's not coming. And that quick, the little girl dialed the president. <laughs> and here he come. He came down, stood there, looked at my mom. And he said, lady, I'm not going to give you a bus. I'm not going to do it. But let me tell you why I'm standing here. You parked your car under my office window. I saw you fall. I watched the pain you were on on the ground. I have never seen a bus matter to anybody like that. What in the world? My mom says, you need to understand, if you don't give me a bus, God's going to be awfully upset with you. <laughs> he said, okay, lady, here's the deal. I'm going to give you one bus, one driver, one Sunday. That's it. But you got to promise me you'll be sure God knows about it. <laughs> My mom said, I will. I thought, I don't believe this. She got a bus. Then my mom said, I, I need one more favor. We have two sides to our town, east and west. I really need two buses <laughs> and two drivers. He said, okay, just one Sunday, two buses, two drivers. But lady, I don't need God against me. And somehow I got a feeling you got God with you. Does anybody know that you got God with you? Wow. We walked out. I said, Mom, I don't believe it. You got a bus. How'd you do that? She said, son, I didn't. Nobody gives me anything. But God does mountain moving. That's what he did. One Sunday, two buses, two drivers. The second Sunday, he gave us three buses. <laughs> then four. By the end of the year, he was giving 50-some buses and drivers. And before he was done at the end of the year... There wasn't a Sunday when several hundred buses and drivers weren't given for free. The Sunday school with no kids in it never had fewer than 5,000 children. 
And it was all done by a lady who couldn't do anything. All she had was breath. But that breath let her ask in faith believing. And people would say to her, Ms. Gibbs, how did you do this? She said, you don't understand. I didn't do it. God did it. Every Sunday, she'd have me take her down where all these buses were parked. And she'd tell the driver, she'd say, now put out your cigarettes. You're going to church. You're going to get saved today. And they'd say, no, we're not going. And she'd say, yes, you are. You're going to follow me and go. And like little ducks, they'd follow her in. And every Sunday, dozens of them would get saved. What are you asking for? My mom went before the city council. And she asked the city council, I don't care where they go to church, can they ride a city bus for free if they're going to church on Sunday? And the president of the city council and the mayor said, no, 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 we can't do that. And the man that owned the big bus company jumped up and said, you better give it to her. She's going to ask for more. I don't know what it'll be. But when this lady talks to God, he listens. Do you understand? God listens to you. But you got to ask in faith believing. Mercy. When my mom went home to be with the Lord, the church sent a delegation to the funeral. And I said, bless we can tell. Off of the buses, in excess of 275 missionaries are on the field who got saved riding those buses. 150 pastors are in the pulpit who got saved riding the buses. Good job for a lady. And then they used her quote, that's very damaged goods. God wants to use you. Now the devil's got a simple ploy. Knowing this truth changes nothing if you're not willing to ask in faith believing. Specifically ask. And the word asking you shall receive is the word for asking specifically. I recommend you write it down and don't ever start writing it down. My wife has helped me. We keep lists of impossible things we're asking God for. It'll make all the difference in the world. A young man and his wife were on the way to Africa to be missionaries. They sent all their belongings and then they were to leave the next week. But his wife came down with a debilitating disease and was bedbound. They never got to go. And their dreams were crashed. She could never get out of bed the rest of her life. So they prayed this prayer, God, you're the God of the impossible. Let us help send somebody in our place. God, please. He said, I told God, help me to make the money to send somebody in our place. He started a business in his garage in Cleveland, Ohio. A dirt floor garage with no electricity. You had to run a cord from the house out. But God gave him an invention that the military grabbed. 
And before long, he was making an enormous amount of money. And he would pay his tithes and his offerings. And then they started paying missionaries. And by the time I met him, he and his wife, Carl and Hannah Smith, were paying the personal support for over 400 missionaries. Beyond their tithe. And I said, how'd you do that? He said, I asked. And I said, do I understand it's up to 400? He said, no, that's not accurate. And I said, well, I thought maybe not. That's a big number. He said, right now we're at 700. I asked, what do you want God to do? We were at a church. Michael was standing there with me, and a, an elderly couple walked up and said, we heard you preach on doing the impossible. We live with a comfortable retirement in Florida, and we ask God to use us. We don't need any support. We have a retirement. But what we did was we decided to be missionaries, and we went to the coldest spot on earth in Russia. And Brother Gibbs, we've just come back after almost three years there. And in the last three years, we have personally led over 650 people to Christ. And now we're going back. And it's all because we asked. I don't know what God wants you to do. Here's what I know. Ask in faith believing and ye shall receive. Bow your heads, Father. Forgive me for asking for so little. Forgive us for thinking that somehow life is about the good life here. This is not what it's about. Brother Gibbs, my heart's been spoken tonight. My heart's been touched. I want God to use me to do the impossible. My heart's been touched, and tonight I want to ask God for some impossible things if that's true, hold your hand up right now. Hold your hand up high. My heart's been touched tonight. If you got your hand up, I want you to get up out of your seat and make your way to this altar. You come right now. You didn't raise your hand, but you say, I should have you come too. It's not a matter of talent. It's not a matter of ability. That's why your faith is in God, not ourselves. What can we ask? Oh, my. Nothing is impossible. Nothing. Ask and ye shall receive. Father, tonight, again, forgive me for asking for so pitiful little. And God, tonight, by your grace, we're taking you at your word. You are God. And those passages we read will not change for all eternity. A gajillion years from now, they'll read the same as they read right now tonight. Ask and ye shall receive in faith believing. God, hear our cry. And God, I don't know what the burdens are, but don't let us get comfortable not asking. Because we don't have any right to do that. You want us to make you look good on this planet. 
God, hear us, hear our cry. I pray this in the name of Jesus. I got everything all set up here. I'm by my family. I'm in a garden spot to live. Nothing wrong with that as long as that's not keeping you from asking. Ask. And God says, I'll move mountains. What's the cry of your heart? What's my cry? now and I want you to tell your neighbor I'm going to move some mountains tell your neighbor but don't say it if you don't mean it I'm going to move some mountains there should never be a time that we're not in the mountain moving business God wants us to do this to do impossible things impossible things I told you about that Chinese church this morning when I told them, how do you do all of this? They said, we move mountains. We ask God for the impossible. Oh, it'll change everything. Everything. Let's sing this song. I've, she's got it. She's been playing it in the background here. Let's have one of the song leaders come up here and lead us in it. Would you lead us in it? devil wants to get you out of here without asking that's his ploy knowing the truth doesn't make it happen hell's gonna be full of people who knew how to be saved but they wouldn't ask and heaven's gonna be full of Christians who God says I was waiting for you to do the impossible but you never asked oh listen let's sing this song together Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my father's throne. Make all
You know when most Christians start asking when they're panicked? We're flat terrified. Well, you go down to the emergency room, you can't hardly breathe, there's a major pain in your chest. Just watch what your prayer life would do because you're panicked. And he is an ever-present help in time of trouble. That's not a problem. But that's not when we're supposed to be asking only. Let's sing this last verse. Listen to it very carefully. Make all thy wants and wishes known. Sing the last one. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, may I thy consolation share till Keep our ministry in your prayers. We desperately, desperately need your help. I want you to jot four things down for me, if you would, because this is what we encounter on an everyday basis, and it's critical that we have your prayers for them. Number one, the first thing I need you to pray for is that we can continue to share the gospel. I hope you understand they're telling us the gospel is hate speech. It's not hate speech. It's the most loving message of all eternity. But they want us to get quiet. They want you to keep the gospel to yourself. Number two, they don't want us to give the gospel to children. They're saying that's child abuse. And we encounter that regularly. Now, we've had this for 40 years, but not like now. Boy, we have a duty to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Number three, we're commanded to live holy. And you can't live holy if your voice agrees with this world. You understand your voice speaks from your heart. And boy, when they come up and say, Mr. Gibbs, you, you don't think that these things are sin, do you? Absolutely, because the Bible says they're sin. And we've got to live holy. And then write number four down. This one has been there a long time. They want us to stop praying, especially out loud. That prayer scares them. And they want your prayers to be neutral. They want your prayer where it causes no offense, no conviction to anybody. Boy, look through scripture. We're commanded to pray. And we're commanded to pray for righteousness. Please pray for these four things. We deal with them every single day. If you didn't sign up for our newsletter, please do that now. Uh, we need your help. Uh, your prayer is invaluable, invaluable. 
And if you signed up this morning, you don't need to do it again. The newsletter's free. All we need for you to do is to say, send it to me, and I'll give you two minutes a month and pray on your prayer checklist. That's what we're begging you for. Now, trust me, those two minutes are priceless to us because I don't know how we're going to do it. People come to me all the time and say, how do you handle this number of cases? How do you make the finest? I don't know. I got to move mountains on a regular basis, and I need your prayer as never before. Wow. As I told you this morning, the only hope we have is the gospel and the local church. And now the devil's going after both of those with a passion. And can I warn you? An awful lot of the people we have in Congress who say, I'm, I'm a Christian, and I hope they are. But let me tell you what we find. They don't believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. And when we meet with them, we say, you believe Jesus is your Savior? Yes, that's my way. But you can believe in Allah and Muhammad, and you can believe in a lot of other things. You can believe in a Catholic, and it'll get you to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And so, boy, please, we are just up against that heavy duty. Pray for these cases. Ushers, come on forward. You didn't sign up for our newsletter, but you say, send it to me. I'll give you two minutes a month and pray for these lawsuits. Send me that newsletter. Hold your hand up, would you? And please get that and fill it out. Oh, we need you. You don't need to sign up again, but we just don't want to miss anybody. We covet your prayers for all the right spiritual reasons. Your prayer has power. Dr. Kluth, thank you. And the books in the back, uh, please, every dime we make on them, the one on the Constitution, uh, it's not that the world doesn't know what it says. God's people don't know what it says. And that's why I encourage you to get this and read through it. It, it amazes me. People write me all the time and say, I just read this book. I had no idea that was in the book. Please. It's what you pledge. By the way, do you understand, when we send a soldier to war, and yesterday we just celebrated all those who served, when we send them to war and put their lives in jeopardy, they swear to uphold this. This is what we tell them is worth dying for. This is what their oath requires. And you don't even know what they're pledging to. And by the way, they found out 90-some-odd percent of those don't know what they pledged to. Boy, please, look at that book. And then One Nation Under God, 10 things everybody should know about the founding of America. God has been so gracious to our nation. And the one my wife just wrote on Choices for Teens. And we're watching teens wreck their lives. By the way, one of the most dangerous things now is everything they can get on the Internet. Uh, they've got access to things that were just never accessible before. And so please look at that. And then the book Across the Miles, the lessons. Uh, we have done millions of miles. And millions of miles on the ground. I have 7 million miles on Delta and 3 million on American and 2 million on other airlines. And we've done a lot of beat the road. And I love every minute of it. Not because I like travel. I hate travel. I love being with God's people and defending them. That's been the joy of our life. These are stories from across the miles. And then my wife's devotion books there in the back there. Please, if these would be a blessing, get them back there.
My wife and I, before we go to bed tonight, we always join in prayer no matter what time it is. And tonight we're going to pray for Pastor and Mrs. Fuller. And I want you to join us. Now here's what I'm asking for. Before you pillow your head and sleep, will you get on your knees and ask God to especially protect and bless your preacher and his bride? Now, I'm not saying, watch this. You go to McDonald's, you order a quarter pounder with cheese, which I love, <laughs> and you say, God, be with the pastor and his wife. Nothing wrong with that prayer, except that's not what I'm asking. Will you take a special season and pray? The devil wants to destroy what you have here. And the easiest way to destroy it is by going after the shepherd and his precious family. We need for you to pray. How many of you will join my wife, Glorianne, and I in praying for your pastor and his wife? Hold your hand up. Now, if you raised your hand, you just made an appointment with God. And you blow off an appointment with me, that is no big deal. But don't you dare blow off an appointment with God. How many of you are going to keep your appointment with God tonight? Hold your hand up. Praise the Lord. Turn to your neighbor one more time and say, the devil better watch out. I'm going to be moving mountains. <laughs> tell him. Tell your neighbor. God bless you, church pastor. Thank you, preacher. Thank you for listening to Strengthening the Brethren podcast. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. If you are listening via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give a five-star rating and review. Lastly, share with your friends so that they too can be encouraged and think upon the topics that come up on this podcast. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or anything else for me, you can contact me through my website at www.refreshedingodsword.com or you may email me at stbpodcastkjv at gmail.com. Have a blessed day.